Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on November 7th, 2022 from A.T. Shire's home here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This episode features a preview of the 2022 elections with some of our favorite pod people, Meg Kennard with the AP and Mayan Schechter with the state newspaper. SCETV will be live at 8 p.m. on election night for two hours with field reporting, in-studio analysis, and results. We'll also be live on South Carolina Public Radio and our social media platforms. Also in politics, Scott Morgan has a report for us on election security. In business, we catch up with Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell and get the latest on interest rate increases. We also look at national unemployment data. And in medical, state health professionals give us some more insight into the widespread flu activity that we've been seeing in the state. We also look at what the biggest hospital system in the state is doing to address the nursing shortage. Also, how's everyone enjoying Standard Time? This is Standard Time. You can let us know by calling 803-563-7169. You fell back this weekend. We'd love to hear about how you've benefited from it. I had the best. I woke up Monday just ready to go tackle the week. Maybe you didn't. Who knows? I almost got into a car accident, though. So someone was trying to throw off the game for standard time. But I said, no, not today, devil. So made it here for you guys. But let us know about your interactions with the time. <laughs> time space. We love hearing about that. Or any number of things. You can always give us a shout. 803-563-7169. Leave us your name, where you're calling from, and a brief message. 803-563-7169. Now for latest in South Carolina, currently the spread of COVID-19 is low according to county-level data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. We'll have more data for you on Saturday's podcast about what the outlook of COVID-19 is like in the state. We're going to start off politics with a programming note. Told you at the top. Now, if you're listening to this pod on election day, be sure to tune in either to SCETV or South Carolina Public Radio at 8 p.m. for at least two hours of live, commercial-free, calm, level-headed reporting and analysis of results from election day itself. Again, two hours of this. We'll also have reports from South Carolina Public Radio reporters Thalisha Eady and Victoria Hansen, who will be at key watch parties. And we'll also bring in the latest results as we get them. And even a bigger treat. <gasps> we'll be checking in with Mayan Schechter at the state newspaper a few times as well. And we'll have in-studio analysis with University of South Carolina Political Science Department Chair Kirk Randazzo. No other network is bringing you this kind of South Carolina election coverage, except SCETV. We brought you exclusive debates. We're now bringing you exclusive election night coverage. Tune in. I'll be there. Moving on, I did a bit of a preview on the election on This Week in South Carolina with AP reporter and friend of the pod, Matt Kennard, and the state newspaper's politics editor, Mayan Schechter, also friend of the pod. I opened up our discussion about the campaigns and expectations by asking Mayan about the governor's race and what the final push from the candidates was sounding like. On the side of Governor Henry McMaster, who is seeking his second full term, for those of us, all three of us covered his 2018 governor's race. And I, I think we're hearing very similar, very familiar 
themes uh, from 2018. He's talked a lot about teachers, about education. Obviously, the, the legislature raised teacher pay this year. He's talked a lot about the economy and jobs which is something nationally Republicans are really focusing on. And the governor, who has been talking about this since probably day one of becoming governor, has continued to repeat on the trail how South Carolina has made a significant comeback since the COVID-19 pandemic when many people were out of work. Every week it feels like we're seeing uh, new press releases from the governor's office about jobs being announced. We saw something recently from BMW, which is making a huge investment in the state, something the governor can tout. Uh, on the other side of the aisle, Joe Cunningham has really been focusing on just sort of this theme of, of freedom. He's got this freedom agenda that he's been pushing, these more kind of progressive policies that we've seen Democrats also wrap their arms around. He's brought up same-sex marriage. This is particularly after uh, the question was asked on the debate stage last week during the governor's debate, um, and McMaster said that he believed that marriage should be between a man and a woman. Of course, uh, uh, Joe Cunningham has also been talking a lot about the abortion debate, uh, that's been going on in the legislature. He's talked a lot about uh, betting and uh, legalizing marijuana, these these more sort of progressive policies that Joe Cunningham really believes need to be pushed, you know, down down the line. I was going to say, you know, it's kind of interesting to see some of those things, those stories, uh, the big issues, and abortion, of course, being a big one as well. But one that we're really not seeing too much, you know, we're not seeing the governor talk too much about abortion. Obviously, it's not that big of a winning issue for them, it seems like. And uh, again, Cunningham really kind of trying to hammer on that a little bit more so. Right. And I, I will add one one last thing, you know, something that I, I think is pretty important that the governor has been talking a lot about during this race is his relationship with the legislature. The legislature obviously holds uh, most of the power in the state, if not all the power in the state. The governor really has has the power of the veto pen and the bully pulpit. And so on the trail consistently, the governor has has talked about his relationship with legislators. He's been pulling them out as he's made back-to-back uh, -back stops in their district. That's something that uh, he, he has a little bit over Joe Cunningham, who obviously has not been in the state house and does not have as many relationships as the governor has to get his priorities across. Meg, I want to jump to you and talk about realistically when we look at the likelihood of a Democrat winning statewide in South Carolina, something we haven't seen for years. Uh, this race, like so many others, are rated solidly Republican. Uh, what do you tell folks when they ask you, do you think a Democrat could win? Do you think Cunningham could win? It's, it is a question that comes up all the time, right? Especially as we see these shifts happening in our neighboring states, like North Carolina, which has elected statewide Democrats more recently than South Carolina has, and in Georgia, which has one of the most hotly contested Senate races of this entire cycle. South Carolina, as you note, has not done that lately. It's been more than 20 years since this state elected a Democrat as governor, and it's been more than a decade since any Democrat was elected statewide. There are a lot of reasons for this, and you know, I don't think we have enough time to go into all of them, but you know, when you look at the control in the legislature, both chambers led strongly by Republicans, as well as all of those statewide offices, and when you talk to voters and hear about what issues are important to them, sure, there are a lot of Democrats in South Carolina. We all covered the 2020 Democratic presidential primary, where there were 24 candidates at some point in the race, and there were a lot of Democratic voices playing roles in, in who ended up winning that nomination. But South Carolina is different than our neighbors. And you know we only have one Democrat in Congress right now, and that's Jim Clyburn, who is in the leadership and has a very powerful role. But he is the only Democrat in our entire delegation of seven members of the House plus the two senators. 
So I don't think it's going to be this necessarily this election cycle where we see Democrats really starting to change a lot of that in our elected offices. That doesn't mean the time won't come. Politics is cyclical. And so there are these waves that come and go. But for right now, South Carolina does seem to be still considered, at least statewide, a solidly Republican state. And Meg, you were on a call with Congressman Clyburn this week, too, and talking about realities for Democrats, not only here in South Carolina, but nationwide, too, when it comes to Congress. Uh, what was he saying? What was he forecasting? Listening to Whip Clyburn, who, again, is seeking his 16th term in the U.S. House. He's been there for a total of, of 15 terms thus far. And when he talks about this election and when I asked him, what does it look like for Democrats, he's kind of started casting it in more of a, well, you know, elections are, it's not necessarily the result on election day or election night that is most important. It's the overall battle for not just power, but how he termed it, for our democracy. This is a theme that we've heard from Democrats across the country, including President Biden this week in his speech, that democracy itself is on the line in the 2022 midterms. That sounds a bit hyperbolic, but it's something that even in the very beginning of his presidential campaign, Joe Biden was hitting on countering some arguments that he perceived from the Trump administration, which he cast as threats to overall democracy. So even when Jim Clyburn is talking about the fate of his own party in the House, it seemed to sound like he was maybe preparing for the loss of power, and maybe not overall necessarily, but certainly Democrats are anticipating that they'll be losing some seats, if not control overall of the chamber. And maybe it's that big picture that they want people to be thinking about and kind of preparing them for the election night results that may not go in their party's favor. You can watch that full interview along with all of our wonderful content on youtube.com slash South Carolina ETV. Hit that subscribe button, folks. Mash it. Next up, let's continue our look at elections and security. South Carolina Public Radio's Scott Morgan spoke with an array of officials about voting site safety and the security that goes into making sure your ballot is counted. Here's Scott's report that I'm duly qualified according to the Constitution of this state and that I will, to the best of my ability, discharge the duties thereof. Christina Thompson is training some new poll workers in Marlboro County. Poll managers, you are essential to helping us conduct good and fair and impartial elections. And remember that security and being accountable is very important. Election security is on a lot of minds this midterm, even in generally polite South Carolina. In the first few days of early voting, Thompson is already seeing more citizens who want to keep an eye on things. We have had greeters and observers more this year than I've seen in a long time. Thompson is Marlboro County's Deputy Director of Voter Registration and Elections. She likes the increased interest. She says it gives election workers a chance to educate people. Some people think they know the law and then some don't. So, uh, but I think it's good if they, they hang around and observe the process. Yeah. It's not the civic interest in the voting process that worries election officials, of course. It's how far some poll watchers and observers take that interest. Think camo-clad ballot watchers monitoring early drop-off boxes in Arizona, for example. John Michael Catalano of the South Carolina Elections Commission says he isn't seeing that kind of thing here. But he also says it's a mistake to think there's nothing happening here. Most people, when they think they hear election integrity concerns, they're thinking Michigan, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Georgia, but it's happening in South Carolina too. 
In fact, Catalano says concerning behaviors showed up in the primaries earlier this year. There were people who believe in the so-called big lie, that the 2020 general election results were not true and accurate. And we saw these groups, you know, harassing poll managers in the June primaries. Some were actually calling the police to polling places to report poll managers. Catalano also likes that citizens want to be so directly engaged with the voting process. But the overzealous, politically motivated behaviors the election commission saw in June has led to a few updates, like requiring all poll watchers and observers to now show photo ID when entering the polling place. Another thing that we're doing is prohibiting them from using their recording devices or cameras. And that thing about calling the police to a polling location? There's really only one person who's supposed to do that. Poll managers should be calling law enforcement if there is something that needs the attention of law enforcement. Doug Barfield is the attorney for Lancaster County and the spokesman for the county sheriff's department. Law enforcement should not respond to a citizen call that somebody's voting twice or that somebody's tampering with a machine. That's not a citizen's place to make that call. Barfield says the sheriff's office hasn't heard those calls from the voting public, at least not yet. It could happen this time, but but our people know they're not to enter polls unless the poll manager says there's something going on in here that you need to come deal with. Election officials aren't anticipating too many problems in South Carolina this round, but that doesn't mean that poll managers in training, like Derek Montrose back in Marlboro County, aren't thinking of ugly possibilities. Well, I'm concerned because you never know what's going to come through that door. Rebecca Foster is in this training, too. Like Montrose, she's got her radar on for this election. But also like Montrose, she's already looking at 2024. This is a midterm now. I think the interview may go a little different in two years. You want to hear why she chances it? There was a lot of bloodshed for my right as a female to vote. And um, if I can go help out and go work, yeah, I want to be part of it. Great, Scott. That was great, Scott. Important reporting right there from Scott Morgan. Thanks as always. And you can find that report and more on SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And if you want to learn more about elections, our election process, and the security around how your vote is counted, you can go to scvotes.gov. Welcome to our business section. As you know by now, interest rates ticked up again last week. That's right. In an expected move from the Federal Reserve Bank, they increased the benchmark borrowing rate by another 0.75% as the central bank continues its fight against inflation, which currently sits at 8.2% per the Consumer Price Index. Now, after the Free Market Open Committee met, Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell told reporters that the time is coming to slow rate increases. When, though, remains the question and it's all based on forthcoming data reports. Here's Chairman Jerome Powell. With today's action, we've raised interest rates by three and three quarters percentage points this year. We anticipate that ongoing increases in the target range for the federal funds rate will be appropriate in order to attain a stance of monetary policy that is sufficiently restrictive to return inflation to 2% over time. Financial conditions have tightened significantly in response to our policy actions, and we are seeing the effects on demand in the most interest rate sensitive sectors of the economy, such as housing. It will take time, however, for the full effects of monetary restraint to be realized, especially on inflation. 
That's why we say in our statement that in determining the pace of future increases in the target range, we will take into account the cumulative tightening of monetary policy and the lags with which monetary policy affects e economic activity and inflation. The question of when to moderate the pace is no longer as important as how high to raise rates and how long to keep policy restrictive. The short-term borrowing rate is now between 3.75% and 4%, with Powell expecting it to go higher as the bank implements the most aggressive monetary policy tightening since the 1980s. A half percent increase is expected in December and smaller increases next year. At some point, as I've said in the last two press conferences, uh, it will become appropriate to slow the pace of increases as we approach the level of interest rates that will be sufficiently restrictive to bring inflation down to our 2% goal. There is significant uncertainty around that level of interest rates. Even so, we still have some ways to go. And incoming data since our last meeting suggests that the ultimate level of interest rates will be higher than previously expected. Now, we've talked about GDP lately, and the economy has slowed significantly, especially compared to last year's rapid pace with modest growth for spending and production this quarter, in part because of lower disposable income and tighter financial conditions. That's slowed consumer spending. And the labor market still remains out of balance with high demand for workers. Despite the slowdown in growth, the labor market remains extremely tight, with the unemployment rate at a 50-year low, job vacancies still very high, and wage growth elevated. Job gains have been robust, with employment rising by an average of 289,000 jobs per month over August and September. Although job vacancies have moved below their highs, and the pace of job gains has slowed from earlier in the year, the labor market continues to be out of balance with demand substantially exceeding the supply of available workers. The labor force participation rate is little changed since the beginning of the year. Speaking of labor markets, the U.S. economy added 261,000 jobs in October. That might sound like a good number, which it is, but it's also the slowest pace since December 2020. So on track with Powell's statement of softening, but still, like we said, a decent reading. The national unemployment rate ticked up to 3.7% from 3.5% as well. Reuters reported that employment growth has averaged 407,000 per month this year, compared with 562,000 in 2021. Economists polled by Reuters had forecast 200,000 jobs being added. heard it on this podcast but we're going to talk about it again the flu season it's off to a horrible start you probably know someone that's gotten sick you might be sick we know deaths and hospitalizations are outperforming previous seasons by wide margins and it's just a tough time especially if you're a parent i mean our parents never not sick because kids are always sick right oh god bless you guys but DHEC health officials recently spoke about the widespread flu activity and other seasonal concerns including rsv and covid on a call with reporters Dr. Linda Bell, state epidemiologist and director of the Bureau of Communicable Disease Prevention and Control, said it's still too early to assess the effectiveness of the flu vaccine. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't get one. Since it's early in the flu season, we need a little bit of a track record to actually assess the effectiveness of a particular flu vaccine or the combination of the vaccines that um, are in the uh, annual flu shot against the most commonly circulating strains. 
But what we know historically is that the flu vaccines uh, are most effective when they're well-matched to the uh, commonly circulating strains, but that regardless of how well-matched they are, they are always very good in preventing severe illnesses, hospitalizations, and deaths. So for example, they might not do as good a job at preventing infections, so people can be vaccinated and they could still get the flu. That doesn't mean that they got the flu from the vaccine. It means that they didn't get complete protection from the vaccine. But what we want people to focus on is the fact that although they still got the flu, even though they were vaccinated, perhaps that vaccine prevented them from suffering much more severe illness. And this is really true uh, in older individuals. And I also want to take the opportunity to point out that young children in many flu seasons have the same hospitalization rate as do those over the age of 65. So we want uh, people to pay attention to the fact that um, some of these illnesses, as my colleagues have said, people can be co-infected. All of these are not vaccine-preventable diseases. For example, there is no vaccine for RSV. There is a vaccine for flu and COVID. So we need to take advantage of the illnesses that we can prevent with vaccines. And we hope to have a, a good track record this flu season with, the, um, with a well-matched influenza vaccine with the predominant circulating strains. So again, sounds like the COVID vaccine right there, where you could still get COVID, but it may prevent the case from being even more severe than it could be, especially among those who are vulnerable. Right now, influenza A is the dominant strain, and most hospitalizations involve folks with comorbidities. But Dr. Allison Eckerd, Chief of Pediatric Infectious Diseases and Professor of Pediatrics and Medicine in the Divisions of Infectious Diseases, said parents should still be cautious. Influenza sometimes is not considered a serious infection, but what we see on the hospital side is that it is very serious. And the most important thing that we can do is vaccinate. So we are lucky, very fortunate to have influenza vaccine. This has been a really early season. So many of us were not prepared and many of us have not been vaccinated yet. But uh, I really encourage everybody to go out and get vaccinated as soon as possible. It is currently approved for ages six months and older. So if you have infants in the household who are under that age, I would really encourage everyone in the family to get vaccinated because that will allow some protection for that infant who's at the highest risk of severe disease. So vaccinate, vaccinate, vaccinate. And then after that, um, it's just important to do the regular things that we do. Wash your hands, try not to touch your face um, before washing your hands or hand sanitizing, um, to stay at home if you're sick and to stay away from others who may have even mild symptoms because we just don't always know who's gonna have the most severe symptoms. You can find out more about the flu Read the reports and find locations to get a vaccine at scdheck.gov flu. Moving on, South Carolina ranks fourth in the nation for the highest shortage of nurses per capita. And according to registerednursing.org, the state is projected to have a deficit of 10,000 nurses by 2030. This is being fueled by an instructor shortage, an aging nursing population, and pandemic burnout, according to the American Association of Colleges of Nursing. To address this issue, Prisma Health announced in September that it was investing $5 million in a pilot nursing recruitment program at five South Carolina universities or colleges. That includes Clemson University, the University of South Carolina, the University of South Carolina Upstate, Greenville Technical College, 
and Midlands Technical College. The Prisma Health Nursing Scholars Program includes scholarships and increased access to clinical experiences and mentorship for students in their junior and senior years. The program also will fund additional advisor positions, adding educational and post-student success resources within those schools, creating a collaborative approach that partners employers and educators, and expanding the hiring pipeline from the state's nursing schools to Prisma Health Hospitals. As many as 210 nursing students statewide could benefit from this pilot program. Most of the nursing programs will launch the initiative in January, but the University of South Carolina Upstate launched its program in September with 24 students. This program builds on the strength of Prisma's MedEx Academy, which helps high school and college students explore and pursue healthcare careers. Now, like we said, Prisma Health is the state's largest healthcare organization and employs more than 7,300 nurses. Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news. We talk about life during the pandemic. We want to hear your stories as well. Tell us how you're handling things. If you got your flu shot yet, if you got the flu, how you're handling time. <laughs> standard time. This yeah. is my impression of standard time. Standard time. Gavin, I, I mean, if you guys can't hear this extra hour that Gavin got <laughs> oh in his voice. Oh my gosh. I feel like we're taping on Friday. I'm so energetic. This guy, he's he's peeking on the meters. He's glowing. <laughs> I mean, he he came into my house like Kramer. Um, like this man is he's electric. Okay? It's like maybe it's also a combination of it being like election eve, and I'm like, it's almost over. It's almost done. But it's not yeah. gonna be over. Trick trick question, guys. It's not gonna end. It never ends. It doesn't end. I mean, the, they're, already, the, they're already talking teasing the start of presidential elections. 100. It's that's a week and a half. We from already now. saw Tom Cotton drop out of the 2024 race, and it has even started oh, oh, r.i.p <laughs> one down about a dozen or plus more so we'll see but um that's not that's not what this section's about no 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 see this, see we're, we're winding trick. down we're winding yeah we're and winding Ga down. gavin while he is wound whilst up, he's whilst, whilst wound up he's he's wound up to, for this wind down okay folks all right Tis. okay so gavin we got a call it's another long one that i've been waiting since uh october 12th to play <laughs> so. i was just telling you about that medical section too if you listen through it i was like i've been holding on to this chunk about nursing since september <laughs> since september yeah. can we please use it there's just been so many debates and everything yeah. happening since then. Anyway, so Gavin, are you ready for this ancient stale call? And I apologize to the caller. You're a very good friend. We love you very much, but we're so sorry about this. That's uh, my Gavin, Seinfeld sounds. Okay, here we go. Hey, Gavin and AC, Towner McGill down here in Mount Pleasant, uh, calling back quicker than usual because... Uh, that I had to weigh in on a couple of things with you guys. Been enjoying catching up on the pod in heavy doses. I'm about 10 days behind, and I've caught up on it on a few miles of walking in between my work-from-home office day today. Would like to say that there is, in my opinion, one really great thing about pumpkin spice during this time of the year, and that is that all the people that like pumpkin spice takes some of the uh, products that the rest of us like and gives us more of them. I don't care for pumpkin spice at all. I noticed that there is now pumpkin spice cold brew being sold in the grocery stores, which I generally purchase quite a bit of, and it can be scarce because of supply chain issues lately. So the fact that now there is pumpkin spice cold brew available means that the flow of regular cold brew uh, has improved. So that makes me happy. 
Um, mainly wanted to call in because I uh, was very saddened to hear about AT's recent injury. Um, what you may not know about me is I, too, am a Achilles tendon rupture victim. Uh, six years ago, I ruptured my Achilles tendon at the ripe age of 35, playing in an over-30 men's basketball league. Much like AT, I thought that somebody had knocked me from behind. In fact, while messaging with him this morning, I told him that I had played several rounds of basketball over the course of a week and was trying to take the day off. The team had four players, needed somebody really badly, and I made the decision to play, which was a horrible decision because I ruptured my Achilles, and we had a brand-new baby, and after surgery, I was rendered uh, useless for eight to ten weeks and couldn't walk. So all I could really do was hold the baby on the couch while my wife dealt with the three-year-old and everything else going on at the house. Thank God she's a school librarian and was home for the summer, or I'd have been living with my mom for three months. Um, really, uh hate that I will miss coming to the fair and getting to look at his foot. I think that is uh, definitely uh, going to be quite a sight to see. Uh, the advice I have for AT is take as many physical therapy sessions as your insurance will pay for. I think that is the biggest reason why I'm uh, back to 100% at this point. Uh, highly recommend that. And if you have a two-story house, I recommend getting a couple of used knee scooters uh, so that you can scoot to the stairs on the bottom floor, slide up your butt to go upstairs to go to bed, and use the knee scooter at the top to get into bed. This was my life for three months in 2016. And if you have a cool orthopedic boot, another piece of advice I would have is seeing if you can run into Bill Murray. Um, I did that at the airport on my way out to Colorado once I could could walk again, and he actually signed my uh, orthopedic boot. Anyway, I will finish my statement by saying happy healing to AT, and I will once again weigh in and throw my vote for a lead on the road live podcast taping down here in Charleston at the brewery of your choosing, and of course, I will suggest one of the, the great ones we have over here in Mount Pleasant, so looking forward to you scheduling that soon. Take care, guys. Towner, Towner Nation, great to hear from you, and congrats for being on our Election Day podcast. Oh, yeah. No, he that's, would love that's that. That's really why I saved <laughs> it. We saved it, we saved it, we saved it <laughs> just for Election Day. Uh, great pumpkin spice takes there, of course. Uh, we, I, I, the spice must flow, okay? We we continue to delve into what is known as Meg Canard season. Yes, that's <laughs> that's the only way to acceptably refer to what we're dealing with right now. That's flu and all. I got to say, Meg, that's that's flu season <laughs> height, and all. of course, for Meg season is, is Halloween. We've passed it. Yes, um, we're on the downslope. We're, it's, we're it's ebbing. It. It's ebbing. The darkness is here now. <laughs> um, but it's so interesting to hear about the parallels about I don't know the adult sports league and injuries you know that's what i, I was it was i was totally 35 i was 35 years old just like it's you just like a just like this mm-hmm. <laughs> in a night just like this yes uh tell them large marge sent you <laughs> uh so uh i i've been going to pt towner i love this uh, i i i do it i i actually reach i'm about like seven weeks right mm-hmm. right gavin something like that and I took my first step yesterday. Oh wow! Yeah, big. It That's was a, great. And when I say big step, that that is not true. It was small a teeny, step for mankind. Teeny <laughs> tiny step. It was so small you could barely see it. Um, out of the boot. Out of the boot. Bootless step. Yes, I do have a scooter, a knee scooter, and I use it to go to the bathroom in the night, so I don't have to put the boot back on. Um, it's it's 
I'm very sick of it, to be mm. honest with you. Like, mm-hmm. I'm very sick of it. I, I will miss, Gavin, our, our couch podcasts. This yeah. is fun. And getting uh, to drive you to work. Oh, getting driven everywhere. I love that. Yeah, gotta I take the I jag do. to work one of these days. I got to drive in the jag. <laughs> I, I'm fine. That's fine Wasting with me. Wasting my time yeah, in my we car. can do that. Uh, what, what else did Towner hit on here? Um, physical therapy. Yes. But okay. also, like, the horrible confluence of events. Not horrible because, you know, he had his yeah. second daughter's birth. But, like... The timing was horrible. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's never a good just, time. It's never a good time. You know what I mean? Yeah, right? Uh, like That I, time, definitely not. I'm just very sick of this. I'm glad I don't have kids right now. You know, mm-hmm. for one, for flu season. Two, for... <laughs> I would say like that, and then like maybe if you're coming back from an international trip, that'd yes. be absolutely horrible. Ugh, so uh, it, Any I, injury internationally is just... I didn't get any famous people to sign it. Uh, very sad. No mm-hmm. one took pictures with it at the fair but mm-hmm. um we have a picture i think but we didn't have any one with yeah with yeah but but so, the people really started coming when you put that foot up on that table so I, I, <laughs> I do want to give a shout out to my pt karen she is the best we love you karen she, the 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 exercises the little foot dance exercises she's given me they really do pay off so i am i am gonna max out all my trips to the pt uh, if anyone else has torn anything, ruptured anything, call in, let us know. But anyway, Gavin, take it out. Yeah, we'll talk your... to you after yeah. after this election, okay? This is it. Time right? will be briefly suspended, but we'll be back <laughs> to standard time afterwards. Yeah, looking forward to it. I really am. Oh so I uh, oh just want to go ahead and say thanks to everyone for listening, especially Towner. That was really great. Um, and you guys can show us your appreciation by leaving us a voice message like Towner did, 803-563-7169. We'd love to hear about your tragic sports injuries. We hope that you've healed. <laughs> if you don't want to talk about the flu, give us something else to talk about. We can laugh about it now, right? Oof. Also, give us a shout on Apple Podcasts. You can stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and South Carolina Public Radio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. Also, don't forget to come tune in 8 o'clock Tuesday, November 8th, election night, two hours live coverage. We'll be there on SCETV and South Carolina Public Radio. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. I need more support. Uh, Help! Uh. <laughs>